Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are talking about what can be somewhat of an uncomfortable discussion, and we're going to be talking about trauma. I'm prepared to learn a lot, and I hope you are, because I am I know we will. My guest is Chris Bruno. Chris Bruno has his own counseling practice, and he's also the founder of Restoration Project. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. So, Chris, thank you so much for being on with me. Absolutely. So good to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Why are you so passionate about helping fathers, first of all? What is your own background and connection to why you work so deeply and connect so deeply with dads? That's such a great question. And the the way that I always approach that question is this, that men specifically matter. And, I, and that's not to say that women don't. They absolutely do. But, but I think we're uh, socialized to uh, really believe that we don't matter as much in, in the world. And you look at uh, TV shows and kind of all the ways that men are, are kind of made jokes of and made fun of in, in these marginalized dads, you know, the stupid dad, the dumb dad in these TV shows who doesn't know anything happening in his family when in reality he is one of the most important, if not the most important uh, person in that family system. And so men matter incredibly. And so when I work with guys, I always not only want them to know that they matter, but that their their fathering matters, where they show up as as dads, where they show up with their fathering, that is actually one of the most uh, powerful ways that men, I think, were designed to be in the world. I see it a lot, and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's in movies, it's in commercials, it's everywhere you look. It's even on billboards. If you look, it's everywhere. It is. And so men get this narrative in their mind, and it almost psychologically programs them to check out. Yeah. Or just become a machine, right. Or just like do the thing that you're supposed to do and keep your head down and just focus on that. And that's what, that's what you're here for. On this program, we do certain themes that we cover during certain times. And so right now the theme that I've been working with is the theme of dealing with early childhood. And so there is this narrative and it's a false narrative, but it's generations old. But it's the idea that women have the hormones, they have the intuition, and they have the instinct when it comes to their child or when it comes to a newborn. And so the dad is not really needed. It's it's all about the mother. And so what happens is dads buy into that and they they just literally say, they just check out and they just say, I will see you when this child is an adolescent or when they're a teenager, and then I'll step in and I'll finish them off so they can hit the ground running into adulthood. That's when I'm needed. That's when I'm important. And so this is generations old and it has caused so much damage because it's false. And now the science is catching up. It's been there, but the awareness of it in the scientific community is catching up and proving that this narrative, this narrative is false. So now we have to go back and talk about this in a new light and try to educate dads that yes, you are matter and no, you don't get to skip out on those first few years. In fact, getting started correctly 
absolutely matters because you need and you're going to want that bond with your child from the very beginning. Because if you don't do the work and the time in the very beginning, it's going to be so much more difficult later on and you're going to have to work that much harder. So it does matter. So we're coming back to this now and we're coming full circle to the dads because yes, Mm. we've got a bad rap and yes, all of this other stuff, but sitting there saying and blaming the media and blaming all this other stuff while it is true, isn't going to change a thing. So we're here to talk about what does change things, what, what will matter. And it's not always very, very comfortable, but we have to start somewhere. So when men come to you for help, what is the biggest issue they struggle with and why, and how can they avoid that issue or at least avoid, avoid it becoming something bigger? Well, you know, uh, obviously all people come for all different reasons. Uh, but I would say one of the biggest reasons is just having a sense of who they are themselves. That I think that so many men, uh, we have lost our way of even knowing who we are, why we are here on earth, what our purpose is, what our roles are. And so, uh, that, that shows up in a whole variety of ways, you know, symptoms that come up, whether it's depression or anxiety or stress or, or confusion or lack of relationship, you know, it, those are all kind of the outworkings of this lack of sense of who I am and what I am about. And when we don't know who we are, then we don't know, uh, and, and why we're on the earth, then we don't know what to do with ourselves. We don't know where we need to be and where we need to show up. And the fact is that we need to show up in in some pretty significant ways. I think you've hit it pretty well with uh, that that men and fathers matter in the early childhood development of their kids, but it also matters in all the other places that, that we're really designed to show up. And so when guys come into my counseling office and we begin a conversation, uh, I would say the number one thing really at the bottom is really understanding what their story is, what the design of their lives is, where they're, where they come from and where they are going, what is underneath the surface. Uh, and so many guys just kind of focus on what's on the top level. And I just call that kind of the, the topsoil of, of their lives of if I just fix this and tweak that and whatever, then I'll be fine. The fact is there's so much more going under on underneath the surface in the depths of their hearts and their stories that, that that is the work that I really love doing with guys. I have always approached the idea and I agree with you. I think one of the top two reasons why a lot of men and a lot of fathers are so messed up in this day and age are because number one, they don't know who they are. And number two, They don't know their purpose. And so Mm. when we come to that first question of knowing who you are, I've always looked at it through a spiritual lens, which, you know, I I think is valid and, and it's true. But I remember we had a conversation before about this and it really opened up my eyes and educated. It educated me to this idea that there is more to just knowing who you are than just the spiritual lens. So what exactly is that? What is this other component that, that we miss? Well, I just mentioned it a moment ago, and that is your deeper story. And so if you begin to think about, you know, I, I agree with you also on the, the spiritual lens that there is a reason that you exist, that there is someone who created you and, and all the purpose that that has been imbued into your existence then goes beyond what you do and far more into who you are. That is also then couched in the context of you were born onto an already moving train. 
the story of your life didn't just start from the moment you were born. The story of your life started uh, in your parents and in your grandparents and in, you know, all the way back generations that have led up to the moment that you showed up on the scene. Mm. And I, and I think it's really important for us to understand where we come from in order to understand where we are supposed to go. And if we don't spend time kind of unearthing not only the you know kind of ancient past of our genealogy, but even uh, the ancient past of our childhood, we're going to have a hard time as we go from boys to men. We're going to have a hard time as men knowing who we are if we don't fully understand uh, where we came from as a boy. So if I'm understanding this correctly, we could probably save ourselves a lot of heartache if, let's say, for example, we understood what we are predisposed to through our epigenetics as far as traits, mm-hmm. tendencies, addictions, habits, things like that. We could have approached it preemptively if we would have been aware of that. Am, am I understanding that correctly? Yes. I think there's only so much that we can do kind of preemptively to prevent it because the the unfolding of time and the unfolding of trauma is a lot of times we can't do much to prevent it. Now, the epigenetics is also something that as we get to know, and when, when we say epigenetics, I don't know if our listeners would know what we mean. That means the the parts of our, our mind, our psyches, our bodies, our souls that have been passed down to us uh, generation to generation. And, and science is actually showing that trauma is genetically uh, impactful and it changes the DNA of what happens inside of our family line. And one of the things that I, I love to say is that um, trauma will continue to pass down from generation to generation until someone is uh, brave enough to feel it, brave enough to step into it, brave enough to acknowledge it. And that's what we're talking about here today is that when we preemptively or we go back into the into the past to know where we come from and even our own past, do some of that work, then we can bring somewhat of a resolution to not passing it on to the future generations. It is um, a completely different way to look at a trauma and to try to understand it. In some ways, it's a very uncomfortable thing because you might see some realities there, some facts that are disturbing that you really don't want to face. But I think there's something to be said about knowledge as power. If, if you understand what you're facing, then you know if you need to take extra steps, like maybe get counseling or something like that, if, if you yeah. start to see it. And that's another thing. It opens your eyes to be able to look in your own life and to be able to see and recognize some of the signs as some of the stuff tries to come up. And, and I would say it's, it is definitely the understanding of what happens, but that's only with kind of your mind. You come to understand it. I think there's something about actually feeling it. And this is a place that so many men have a hard time. Like we get it with our brains, but do we get it with our hearts? And oh um, man, I can un- that's difficult. I, right. And, and I can understand what happened to me in the past, but have I allowed myself to grieve? Have I allowed myself to enter into the loss? Have I allowed myself to, to recognize my own anger with regard to what happened to me uh, and whether it was to me directly as a child or whether it was to me somewhere in, as we just talked about in the epigenetics, I think it's actually stepping into those places of letting it be felt inside my, in my heart, my soul, my body 
that is where we begin to see some shift and change in resolution. Not necessarily in the understanding. It needs to go one step deeper into the feeling of it because we we feel it. We've just not acknowledged that we feel it. It is like an under uh, a subterranean tremor that is happening that uh, that we need to attend to so that it doesn't continue to to pass on beyond us. And and that in the realm of men feeling the trauma and feeling the grief and feeling all those things, uh, that is a hard thing to do because we've, again, been socialized to cut off our feelings and, and boys don't cry and neither do men. And, uh, and it's just something that we need to step into. The fact is that I see some of the most masculine men in, in the world are those that allow their, themselves to feel what actually needs to be felt. Yes, definitely. And there's another side of it too that can be experienced, uh, which is in, it can be as simple as a conversation. Somebody that has nothing to do with whatever happened to you in the past or even your epigenetics, but something somebody says or does or whatever it is, will just hit that trigger spot. And then you just start unleashing and lashing out on them. And exactly. this person has absolutely nothing to do with whatever it is. But there's this part in you that just sends up all kinds of red flags and sees them as the enemy. And so when you're in touch with, you know, what you're feeling and what's going on inside, you're aware enough to understand that, whoa, this is not normal. This person is not the enemy. So why am I being this way? What's really going on? It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to be conscious and aware of those things when you're in the moment, isn't it? Well, I think your word awareness is uh, a brilliant word. And it's one that we use a lot in the work that we do uh, combined with two other words. So the first is that awareness. If you are not aware of what is happening inside of your life and inside of your story, then you will have those kinds of, uh, you know, blow ups or trigger points or whatever. The, the key thing is becoming aware. The second is very often we move from awareness to towards uh, very quickly towards judgment. And mm. rather than moving towards judgment, uh, I, I mean, the second word is curiosity. If we can move from awareness to curiosity about what is going on underneath the surface, what, what part of my life, my story, my heart has been triggered and be curious about it rather than judging it or shaming of it, that actually opens up the possibility for the third place, the third word, and that is kindness. That if we can go from awareness to curiosity, it actually allows us to be kind to ourselves because kindness is never present in the moment of trauma. Hmm. Actual true, true kindness is not present in the moment of trauma. And if it is, it is a twisted kindness that uh, is then, you know, actually not real kindness. And so, we have to be aware of what's happening in our lives. We have to be curious about those things and then we can be kind. And that's where we begin to see some resolution to those things. But you're totally right that a person today will trigger something from my past and I may or may not know what that is. I just have a visceral or survival technique kind of response to that person. And uh, a lot of people jump into shame like, what's wrong with me? Why did I do that? The fact is we all have some level of PTSD 
And I don't say that to diminish those that have diagnosable kind of PTSD, but we have, we all live in a broken and fallen world. And as a result, we have trauma. We all have trauma living inside of us. And so when someone comes along and triggers that trauma, it's, it's not something to be shamed of. It's something that actually indicates you're human and it gives us an opportunity to work on it. Because the last thing that we want to do is shame the boy who learned how to survive by having that very same response. Because back then it was the way that he or she survived. Mm -hmm. Now that survival may not be as helpful as it was back then. Because now the person triggering it is my wife who loves me or my friend who cares for me. And they're not actually my enemy, but I need to work on that trigger response so that to recognize they're not the enemy. But unless I do that work, they will be the enemy because that enemy has lived within me ever since the original trauma happened. I I love that where you said we can go into this curiosity, which is Mm kind of like stepping outside and then looking down on the whole situation and then going from there to kindness. I absolutely love the way you phrase that. And it's, it's much better than the alternative, which is where, you're painting this person in front of you or this situation and you're just lashing out and you feel so miserable when you do that. And why would you want to stay in that spot when you can go back outside, treat yourself with kindness. And as a result, treat that person kindly and not damage that relationship. It's a much better place to be. Exactly. Now you wrote a book called man maker project where you mentioned Godly masculinity. What Mm -hmm. is godly masculinity and how is it different from just being masculine? And why is one definition better than the other? (laughs) I love that question. And I think the, it is almost impossible to describe even what masculinity is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me just start there. Uh, because in, in some way, we have to, if we're attempting to describe what godly masculinity is, there is a sense that we have to also then describe a part of who God himself is, which mm. is impossible because the way that he imaged himself forth into humankind on earth was in male and female and the masculine and feminine. And so this one God has shown himself in two different ways and forms and, and approaches. And so to define what masculinity is, quote unquote, is is near impossible. Um, I would say, if I were to boil it down, that uh, godly masculinity is holding all of who I am and designed in all of the strength that God has given me, combined with all of the tenderness that he designed for me. And it is the combination of those two things that I believe is actually the intersection of what I would call kindness, which we just talked about a moment ago, that kindness is the place, is the, is the confluence of strength and tenderness. And I think one of the things we see in toxic masculinity is that toxic masculinity only focuses on the strength, with, which is strength without tenderness is power and violence. And on the far end of the other end of the spectrum, tenderness without strength is weakness and has no backbone. And so when we, when I think about godly masculinity as the combination of those two things where, where strength shows up and says, you know, not today, 
But tenderness is there right next to it saying, and in the midst of that, I will care for you. I will see you and I will tend to you and tend to your heart. So there's this combination of the two things. So the Manmaker Project book is all about how a father intentionally ushers his boy into manhood by helping shape an understanding of what uh, what God designed him to be. And and I say that also because it's it's not just the general categories of masculinity. It's the, it's the specificity of who God made my boy and him specifically. And just as unique as he is on the earth and the fingerprints that he has and the face that he has is unique on the earth. So too is the way that he uniquely is uh, imaging forth God on earth. And so as a father, I want to not only welcome him into the category of godly masculinity, but I want to welcome him into himself. That's what Manmaker Project is about. Hmm. That's awesome. It's like you're going all the way back to Genesis to where we understand what it means to be made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. That's, yes, that's really powerful. Wow. It, you, if we're going to draw anything of who we are to be as humans, it has to be based in who we were designed to be by God. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we see, you know, who, how am I supposed to be as a man? Well, I still have to go back to the same place. Who did God design me to be? Mm. And in our discussion, our last discussion we had, we had a little bit of a topic about what, a little bit of a discussion about what fatherhood is from in the eyes of God. In other words, what God has to say about fatherhood itself. And mm-hmm. we talked about Malachi 4, 6 which is mm-hmm. a really, really important scripture text for me. Part yeah. of that verse has become the vision and motto of this program. And it says, and I'm quoting, he is preaching, his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. And when he says he's preaching, he's talking about um, Elijah, the Elijah message. And then we continue on. It says, otherwise I will come and strike the land with a curse. Is this yes. verse just part of some interesting story that was just put into the canon for our reading amusement today? Or is it in scripture purposely for this day and age? In other words, does Malachi 4, 6 also apply directly to us? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I love how interwoven throughout all of the scriptures is this uh, kind of beautiful theme of the importance of fathers. And the importance of their their presence more than their doing. Because you see in Malachi, it is more about the father turning the heart, his heart, towards his children, not about what he does or provides or how much money or house or whatever he gives to his kids. It's about his present heart towards his children that actually makes the transformation of the child so the child turns back to the father. And, and I love even as the verse continues when this does not happen, when this turning of the father's heart towards the child does not happen, the entire land suffers from a curse. And so some of what, you know, back to your very original question, why do I work with men? Is because men matter this much that our entire world, our entire land, our entire society, uh, prophetically in Malachi is cursed when fathers do not turn their hearts towards their children. So that's where and why I have devoted my life to this work, because it matters so much, not just for that one child, but for all of society 
Chris, your website is the restorationproject.net. So once again, that's restorationproject.net. Talk about mm-hmm. some of the programs or experiences you offer. Yeah, thanks. So uh, because of the belief that we have that fathers are so important, uh, we have three main kind of categories of things that we do, primary of which is our fathering work. So we have something called the No Regrets Community. And this is, uh, you can get to it on restorationproject.net or you can go to noregretsdads.com. This is an online community for men who want to take that step into intentional fathering. And so each month, this you know online community, we have uh, a private podcast that is a part of that with some teaching and then also uh, a fathering toolbox to equip dads to to really think through some things that dads face, but then also a monthly blueprint, which is kind of like a plug and play experience that we've crafted and created that if you just follow the script with your child, you will have a significant uh, conversation or moment with your child every month. So that's one of the things. The other thing is that uh, every summer we do something that we call fathering expeditions. And this is for all ages of kids, all varieties of, of things that we do, but these are father-son or father-daughter um, outdoor camps that we run. Uh, and uh, these are times and experiences where your children have one-on-one time with you that where we hold the space and do everything for you so that you can just, as a dad, forget about all the typical dad things that you have to think about, all the logistics, let us take care of those and you just focus on being with your kid. So those uh, those are the fathering expeditions that we do, and actually, we're uh, the the summer is just now getting started with those, and we're super excited. These links are going to be available on thefatherhoodchallenge.com. So if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, and you go to this episode, and you go to the description, all of the links will be available there just to make it easier for you. So our awesome. time's running out here. It is going by so fast, but before we go, what is the main challenge you have for this audience? I think the main challenge that I would have is first of all, to recognize that you are far more than you ever believed that you are, that you as a man matter more than you ever believed that you did. And again, I want to go back to, it is, it is not about what you can provide. It is not about the house or the money that I don't even believe those two things are primary in God's mind as far as quote unquote provision. Provision is of your own self. Will you provide your family, your wife, your children, your uh, greater world, your, your employees, your church, will you provide them with your own self? That is provision. When you show up in those ways, things begin to change. So I would, I would um, kind of challenge you all Uh, What are you doing to provide yourself in the world? And who do you need to ask for help if that feels like a, a burden or a barrier to you? Who do you need to ask for help? Make that call today. Very wise words. Chris, thank you so much for being on the program. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.